Welcome to Konoha Crush, a clandestine effort to exhaustively research and document events occurring in and around the village hidden in the leaves. I'm Ruby. I'm Gwen. Hi! Hi! Hello! Hi! Welcome to the podcast! How's it been? It's been, like, two weeks since we recorded, right? Because, uh, just some shit was going on, but, like, we're back at it again now. How's it been over those two weeks? Oh my god, okay. It's been good. It's been good. A A lot's happened. In, in the in, in the Gwenosphere of, like, consuming media. Okay. Would, would you like to talk about it? Uh, okay, well, there's two things. One, one of which I think you probably have some stuff to say about, too. So, so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to leave that for after. But the first one is... Um, the first three episodes of the new Ruby anime. Oh came out yeah i didn't watch that and I, and I watched that okay are you uh are you a big ruby head um no but like i gotta watch it out of like you know like i b- b- because where were you at, were you at one point in the past a big ruby head yeah 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 so this is why i gotta watch the new like anime uh a- anime about it because it is like a 2d animation like pro- produced in japan or like by by like a Japanese studio, and uh, with like r- written with like the original voice cast in Japanese, right? Like they they made it an anime. Okay. It's how is that weird? It's weird. It's really weird. Okay. So I, I'm kind of on the outside of this, but like I have this vague understanding of it as like this thing where like. They're starting by just, like, adapting the beginning of Ruby and then, like, going off and doing their own thing partway through. Right, okay, okay, so, like, that's kind of what I want to talk about, right? Because, like, the the animation's, like, pretty good. Like, I think a lot of, like, the fight scenes and stuff, like, look really good. Um, In in, in a way that you would, like, kind of have to do if you're, like, adapting the first season of Ruby. Um, Because what else is there? (laughs) Fucking John? (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, but, like, here, here's the thing. It has a video game plot. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that it, like, roughly follows the events of the first season. Uh-huh. But there is a new character, right, who's, like, a femboy witch. All right. And his whole thing is that there is, like, a, like, there's, like, a new, like, an- anime original, like, type of grim. That, like, infects people's minds and, like, feeds off of their, like, bad emotions. So, like, every once in a while, like, it, it's still, like, the basic overarching plot so far of the the first season of the show. But, like, every once in a while you have, like, a bit where, like, oh no, John's, you know, co- collapsed because of this, uh, b- because of this new monster all of his friends go inside of his fucking, like, dreamscape and, like, solve some, like, emotional stuff that he has going on to get rid of the monster. And then we just go back to, like, regular Ruby happening. Right, it, it, it seems a lot like it would be sort of the additional plot from, like, if they made a Ruby gotcha game that was, like, like was stapled on in addition to the main plot. Yeah. Or, or like, a, or like an RPG. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it seems very of a keeping with that sort of thing. That's fascinating, I guess. 
yeah, it's weird. It's weird so far. And, you know, like, I, I've only seen the first three episodes, right? Because that's all they've, like, put out so far. And, um, mm-hmm. it's like, if it diverges, like, further, like, here here on out, like, I, I don't know. I probably won't find out. I'm not going to be keeping up with it. <laughs> oh, damn. You're, you're not committed. You're... I mean, you know, like, I, I might watch it through once I it's was... done, but, like... I, I was sitting here hoping you'd be, like, a Ruby correspondent. Uh... And I, <laughs> you've really let me down. I might, so as to not let you down, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Like I'll, I'll watch some AMVs about it and see. I'll let you know if I find anything <laughs> weird. Like I'll go on Sakiyaburu and search Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but but beyond that, mm-hmm. the new um, AI the Somnium Files. Oh, did you? Were, were you playing that, Gwen? Uh, no, you were, and you streamed the whole thing to me over That's over right. Discord. <laughs> That's right. How how did you how do you feel about that, Gwen? Fucking video games. Fucking video games. Goddamn. Goddamn. Right. Uh, so, I think at least like my intent with this discussion is I don't want to like spoil the game, and like any particulars of the game. Right. Like. That game just came out, like, less than a week ago when recording this. I think it's kind of bad form to just sort of, like, put all that out here in the, like, intro for an unrelated podcast. But I do think I'll probably be talking about some, like, broad structural stuff and my feelings about it. So, like, if you would... If you are the kind of person who would feel kind of, like, put off by that, about a game you're hoping to go into blind in blind to, then, like, I think it's probably worth, like, you know, being a little cautious, being willing to skip ahead a little bit. Um, I will... Because I know I'm the kind of person who, like... Some of the things I am planning to say, I would be, like, annoyed about hearing, even if they're not technically spoilers. Yeah, I will dub in right here the, the timestamp for when the, this discussion is over. That's so kind of you. Yeah. Alright, so, if you don't want to hear this, skip to 14 minutes, 10 seconds. And if you're still here, we're going to talk about it. So, I, uh, by, by the, um, the uh, excited declaration of fucking video games, I'm assuming you liked it. Yeah, I liked it so much. I, I like it quite a lot, too. I don't know that I like it as much as the first game, but I did have a great time with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I didn't like it as much as the first game. I didn't like the first game as much as I liked uh, 999. Yeah, which is a game you keep telling me to play and that I haven't played. Yeah, which is a game that I keep telling you to play. Um, or, or I guess the Nonary games, like, as a whole... Um, I, I think there are, you know, better and worse examples of, the, like, the Nonary games. Virtue's Less Reward and Zero Time Dilemma, uh, as well as 999. And just, like, you know, it's still a fucking video game. Holy shit. It's still it's still a fucking video game. It's still pretty good. Like, I, I have way less experience with Kataru Uchikoshi's work broadly. Like, I've just played the first AI, and I, like, finished that, like, I, I guess probably around, like... I don't know, like eight hours before the second one came out on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of in it. Um, and I think it's interesting, like comparing my feelings, because I feel like if I were to look at my biggest complaints about the first game, I think they're pretty handily resolved in the second one. Like, because my, my biggest complaints with the first game is that I think the, the culprit reveal and like the character of the culprit is just kind of nothing to me. Um, and that's like vastly improved in the second one. And I think that like, the first game kind of has this moment where, like, it really runs out of steam as it just, like, 
completely tanks the momentum by doing these very extensive like flashback written explanations of like everything that happened instead of the mystery i also think that's like you know it's not the best pace and i think that this game is better about both of those things like a significant degree but i also think it's not quite as good about the things that i love about the first game like it's not really capturing that same appeal to me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. well and like what what, one thing that i want to mention right off the bat is like it is a much more linear game yeah, yeah, for sure. I, the, the structure of the first game is very much like you go off on all of these different branches, often focusing on like a specific character, and like you you pick up different information on each of those branches. And this game sort of has that, but like it is mostly just like the the main route that you play through, and then there's like a couple branch off points that have like forty minute alternate endings. That is basically the full extent of like alternate routes in this game. Yeah, which I, I think. Uh, you know, like like in, in comparison to like the way that you have like the Mizuki route and the Irish route in the first game, like I think a lot of those characters that have their own endings in this game wind up feeling like a little more underdeveloped at times. I, I think a thing that the first game does really well to like characterize the characters is that like it does because in each of the routes you have like a different character accompanying you or like you you're working with like different combinations of characters. It is uh like with different combinations of characters throughout like a extensive stretch of the game. Like, it gives each of those characters, like, time to, like, interact with more people and, like, put them in different situations and really, like, you know, push them to, like... It brings a lot of good character work out of those characters because of that. And this game doesn't really have that in the same way. There's this sort of, like, insistence on, like, pairing characters off because it's got this whole thing about, like, uh, you know, thing like, halves of things and, like, duos of things, right? Like, that's the whole... Yeah. That is, like, the whole... uh... Like, that is the whole through line throughout this game, right? Yeah. In terms of, like, the... the, the, And and that, like, means that there are often characters who are just so constrained to those, like, pairings of characters that they don't really get the room to have any other, like, dynamics explored, even when the game is insisting that, like, those dynamics exist. Like, there are two characters in this game that are, like, Iris's friends from the first game, right? Mm -hmm. Um... Or like, like, like Iris from the first game's friends. Like only one of those characters was actually in the first game, and she was like very minor. Yeah, I'm mean, like she didn't even have a name. She was just mermaid. Yeah, and like both of those characters are like you know pa- paired off with a different character throughout the throughout the game, and like so we basically never get any of their friendship with Iris to any like real extent. Um, and there's and there, there's just sort of a similar thing like you know other relationships that those characters are suggested to have just kind of get left by the wayside. Uh, for that sort of like continued thematic and aesthetic, uh, like emphasis on like you know, there being two of something. Yeah, and I also uh, another way that another thing I think this game sort of like suffers from is that uh, this is a game that is very confident in asserting that you can play this without playing the first one, and I think that is like technically true, but I don't necessarily know that like i would suggest it and i also don't know that this game benefits from adhering to that so much um like yeah right because it would like like i wish it had the confidence to like acknowledge events and like characterization points from the previous game yeah yeah that is a huge thing right because like 
uh, yeah, it, it creates this attention in it because, like, it is a game that is both, like, very bound to, like, a lot of the structural flourishes and, like, the joke structures of the first game, right? Like, there's, there's just constant callbacks, there's constant, like, little little gags that are building off of jokes from the first game. Like, it is very much like a... It is a game that is very much full of nods to people who played the first one, but it is also a game where, like... So, you know, you know one of the things that was, like, announced about this game before it came out was that Mizuki was going to be one of the two protagonists of it. Mizuki was like one of the major characters from the first game. She was my favorite character from the first game. And this game kind of struggles from the fact that like it doesn't really engage with any of her character work from the first game and she has like a separate kind of character arc going on but it's not really allowed to like build off of any of what she had going on in the first game in a way that's just kind of frustrating and leaves it feeling disjointed to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, uh Date, the protagonist of the first game, isn't really in this one a ton because, like, you know, it's not really his game. It's not really his story in that same way. But, like, he also suffers from this pretty bad where he is, like... He, he is very much the jokes about him in the first game and not a lot of, like, the actual, uh, like, movement that character went through. And it, it's just a lot of characters that wind up feeling like they're in this weird point of stasis because they can't actually build off of the fact that this is a sequel to another game. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, so, like, I, I have something to say about it, too. And All right, what do you have to say I, about it? I, I think this is really important. If you're someone who played the first game, uh, you know what this means. And if you don't, don't worry about it. But, like, the song's worse. The song is just worse. The song's just worse. And you know what? You know, like, I, I, I still think it's a great game. Uh, there, there, there's still, like, parts in the game that had me fucking hooting and hollering because of how cool a uh, good video game it was. But Yeah, right, like... It feels weird to be, like, coming in here and be like, ah, oh, here's my problems with it, because, like, fundamentally, I had, like, a great time. Like, I sat down and I played through all, like, however many hours that was, like, you know, with Gwen, and we had, like, a... Like, it, like the experience of playing was a delight. There's a lot of, like, character beats in there that I really enjoyed. There's a lot of, like, fun payoff to, like, all the mystery stuff. Um, I, I think there's a core in that game that really works, even if it kind of uh, gets in its own way sometimes. Right? Yeah. But, you know... It's what it is. It's a it's a sequel to a video game, and you know it didn't it it didn't quite like stick the landing in the in the same way that the first one did, and like that's fine sometimes. Uh, is is that all we have to talk about? Do we have a Berserk update, or you just want to? Um, I've like read a bunch of Berserk, but like it's weird because like the last time I read Berserk was like before I sat down and played AI nonstop, and so like it's not like super in my head very prominently the way it often is when I do the Berserk update. Okay, like I can give you like kind of a brief rundown without doing the whole thing um like i'm kind of at the point where the comic is like reshaping what it is after the whole uh conviction arc so you've got like the baby wizard hanging out with guts you've got like farnies following him around um you've got like griffith doing his big broad war shit i think it's like really cool i love how uh i i love how like it's able to like recenter a lot of the character work towards uh like a different direction um i love the change in tone i love like how how like much weird magic shit and stuff in the comic. I think it's just very cool. But also, like, again, it's not, like, as immediately in my mind as I would like it to be to, like, be talking about it right now. And also, this opening section has gone on for, like, quite a bit long by our standards, so maybe we should get into Naruto. Yeah, let's just get into Naruto. Okay. Episode 69. Nice. The Village in Distress. A new A-ranked mission. Is nice part of the title? (laughs) No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we weren't spreading misinformation on the podcast. (laughs) Kakashi tells Sakura that she and the boys need to go after Sasuke to stop him. He summons a cute puppy named Pakun to help them out. She releases the Genjutsu on Naruto and finds Shikamaru pretending to be under the Genjutsu. 
A sound ninja almost stabs Naruto, but Guy punches him through a wall. Kakashi explains the plan to the kids, and they take off while Shino's sitting around a corner and listening in. In the barrier, things pop off, and the Hokage and Orochimaru fight. The Hokage hits Orochimaru with mud and fire attacks, but Orochimaru's fine. Iruka and the other teachers have a meeting to figure out how to evacuate the students, and Orochimaru and the Hokage throw off their robes, so they can really throw down. Right, so this episode starts off with uh, Kakashi talking to Sakura about how she needs to go on a mission. There's like a really great bit, like right at the start of the scene that I like where, uh, you know, he, like he, he's like talking to Sakura and he's just like fucking backhands the sound guy out of the air like Sakura has to duck as he goes flying past uh, in like the middle of the conversation, which I think is pretty funny. And then from there, you know, Kakashi's talking more about more to Sakura about this. And uh, there's this moment where she's like, should we bring like Toji and Ino with? Like, uh, you know, they didn't get in a fight and use most of their chakra already. It's so, like, maybe they're like more rested and better to go for, to go for this. And Kakashi's like, no, not thinking about anything for those guys doing this fucking arc. Leave them be. Well, they're safer unconscious. That could be true for a lot of people. <laughs> like Naruto and Shikamaru? Yeah. Just a real vote of no confidence in uh in either and Choji. Brutal brutal to them, but like, you know, I guess they didn't make it to the finals of the tuning exams, so Yeah, right, and like Sakura wasn't so dang good at Genjutsu or whatever. Yeah. Which, you know, it is gonna be basically useless in like the the actual mission that she's going on, but like, hey, it's enough to get her on the team. Yeah, I mean like she she's awake, it's not like It's like you're gonna tell her to stay back. Yeah, like cat's out of the bag. She, she goes to wake up Naruto and Shikamaru, uh, wakes up Naruto, realizes that Shikamaru is just fucking faking being asleep the whole time. So good. Uh, so good. Uh, you know, has to rely on Pakumi to, like, bite Shikamaru in the leg to get him to actually stop fucking around. There's a, there's a really great bit where, like, you, you mentioned in your summary where somebody's about to stab Naruto and then guy just punches him through a wall. But, like, I love the way it plays out because he just, like, slabs the guy into the wall and was like, Whoa, guy, you're so fast! And he's like, I'm not just fast, check this shit out! And, like, shoves the guy through, the like, the rest of the way through a wall and sends him flying. <laughs> it's really good! <laughs> what a guy. What a great guy. What a great guy. Also, Pakun's just, like, he's kind of a delight. Um, it's fucked up that Sakura doesn't think he's cute, first of all. He's objectively very cute. Objectively very cute. I love that he tries to bribe Shikamaru to going on the mission and be like, hey, you can touch my paw pads. <laughs> They're really soft. <laughs> um, yeah, Pakun's is the light. But anyway, yeah, the kids are off. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get to like, the, the Orochimaru and Hokage part of this uh, section of the episode? No, not really. Yeah, so I mean, a, a lot of the action with uh, Orochimaru and the Hokage in this part of the episode is very much like, we're kind, we're kind of dragging this out, we're kind of stalling for time because like, We've already burned through most of the chapter that isn't, uh, like, bringing up the coffins and uh, summoning the, the past Okages. So, like, th- this part of the episode is just a lot of, like, padding out the action with some extra stuff. But I think there's some kind of interesting things in here anyway. Um, a-, a thing that I noticed is that, like, a lot of the time in the anime, when, uh, when they're, like, making original techniques for, like, both the third Okage and Orochimaru, they wind up going for, like, mud-style stuff. Yeah. Um, which I, I think winds up drawing like a kind of interesting line between them, right? Where like, you know, you, you do sort of get the sense that like, okay, Orochimaru was maybe following very directly in the Thurokage's footsteps for a while until like he decided to not do that. Um, and, and there's like the, the, this real, like it, it reinforces this real sense of like connection um, between all of them, right? Like, 
I don't know. Like, it, it is interesting. Um, it does kind of like reinforce the idea that I, I'm, I've kind of been forming where it's like, it, it doesn't really seem like any of the third Hokage's kids that he trained are like talking to him all that much anymore. Uh-huh. And Orochimaru is the one who hates him the most, but also is also the one who like thinks is like seems to be thinking about him the most. Yeah. Which is like that, right? It's 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 interesting. I think it's interesting to sort of like reinforce that connection by like kind of making them draw from a lot of the same like pool of jutsu in terms of like what uh in terms of what they use, right? Like it's uh I think it's like an interesting little point of like managing to bring some characterization out of a. Uh, out of what could be like a very dry, like okay, they're fighting some more bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are kind of like implying through like the techniques that they like know and like like using that like Orochimaru is the one who like more directly took after the third Hokage's like technique. Mm-hmm. Like especially when you take into light the fact that like oh yeah, people call the third Hokage the professor because he can like use all of the hidden leaf jutsu and like Orochimaru is the guy whose like motivation is like yeah, I want to learn all of the jutsu, so he's just kind of taking that to, like a greater extreme. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, totally. Like, he kind of wants to be, like, the better version of his shitty dad, to an extent that, like, has driven him to some places that, uh, are a little, maybe a little difficult to condone sometimes. Uh, yeah. But that's okay. Another thing I like about this stretch of the fight is there's this bit where, uh, you know, the Thorokage gets Orochimaru, like, a mud landslide, and he starts doing, like, mud bullets and fire at him, and Orochimaru is, like, doing this big, like, oh, you got me thing, and then, like, the Thorokage's like, hey, stop fucking around, and Orochimaru's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine. You, did, you didn't get me. I fucking love this dude. <laughs> I love this dude. It's like one of my favorite Rochimaru lines in these episodes, like in this part too. Because like right after it, it's like, uh, the third Akage is like, ah, oh, you're, you're such a troublesome student. You're such a troublesome student, Rochimaru. And Rochimaru is basically like, actually, I think I'm being really cute right now. <laughs> uh, and he is. <laughs> it's wonderful. What a great, he's having such a blast. I'm, I'm glad he's like really living it up right now. Yeah, honestly, what's the, what what's the point of fucking fighting your shitty dad if you can't have a good time? Uh-huh. <sighs> okay, okay. Um, real quick, can I say something about the meeting with like uh Iruka and the other teachers? Yeah, sure. Um, can I like call out that fucking desk, the like table they're having the meeting with right now? Do you have like an image of this cuz I don't have like a picture of it in my mind. Okay, let me pull it up. Okay, so there it is. Let me know if you notice anything weird about that table. Oh! Oh no! <laughs> There's just a huge square pillar right in the middle of it! There's a huge square pillar right in the middle of it. Do you think this is set up so that, like, here's, like, the half of the people that, like, really matter to the meeting and everybody else is just kind of, like, sequestered away, like, having to look at the stone pillar while, like, <laughs> the important guys are, like, fucking having the actual meeting? Yeah, I don't know, because, like, <laughs> wait, what's really funny is that, like, they are kind of, like, clustered around the bottom half, too. Yeah. Do you think there's a guy sitting behind the pillar that we just can't see? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alright. And that's the real least favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did they decide to have that be the meeting table? I don't know, okay, it seems like it would probably be better to just be standing around, frankly, at this point. <laughs> Like, literally, Iruka cannot see half of the people on screen right now. Uh, maybe the maybe the guy behind the pillar is actually like you know they don't hate him, but he's got the Byakugan, so like it doesn't matter that he's sitting behind the pillar. Mm-hmm. 
they really accounted for this in uh, in, in their, their seating plans. And I guess they all don't like to look at the Byakugan guy. <laughs> Alright, well that's that's all I wanted to say. Is that, okay. is that that table is, like, unhinged? It's a little unhinged. Uh, my last thing for this half of the episode is we have a scene with Kabuto sending a bunch of sound goons after Naruto. And, like, they want to, like, remind us that he's the Ninja Info Cards guy still. So he, like, pulls out, like, like he could just be like, yeah, he's the guy wearing orange. He's, like, the one guy who's wearing orange, and he's got, like, blonde hair, you can follow him. But he, like, makes sure to, like, take out the fucking specific card, he, like, activates with his chakra and, like, hands it off. And it's just, like, beeping the whole time as it, like, rotates around Naruto's face. <laughs> Just beautiful. Yeah, look, you can't miss him. He's the one wearing orange. How the fuck did he expect to sneak? We're gonna track him down so easy. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying it's like a distinctive look. <laughs> I, I also like there's a bit where he's like, yeah, okay, like, don't underestimate him. Like, I know his stats on this card don't look any good. I know they look very normal and impressive, but like, don't underestimate him. It's very important. <laughs> he's actually the main character of this comic, so you gotta be careful. You gotta be very careful. Okay, that's, that's my piece for this half of the episode. Do you want to move on? Yeah, that's... Let's move on. Orochimaru attempts to summon the three dead Hokage, but Hiruzen prevents Naruto's dad from being summoned. Konohamaru is starting to work out that the village is under attack while the kids are being put through a fake evacuation drill as to not incite panic. He notices a rainbow in the sky and remembers his grandpa telling him how they symbolize snakes and act as ill omens. The first and second Hokage step out of their little coffins and are kind of bummed out about having to fight. A bunch of sound ninja take off after Sakura and the boys. So what I love, I mean, there's a lot of things I love about Orochimaru, like, pulling up the coffins. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's the bit where he's just, like, each time he pulls it up, he's, like, dramatically saying the number, right? Where he's like, first! <laughs> and he, like, pulls my coffin up. The other thing, like, is, like, the, this is ostensibly an action to block all of the shurikens that uh, the Thurnokage is throwing at him. Like, you could block these in any fucking way. But he just decides to do it the fucking most extra possible. It's like, hey, here's your fucking dad and your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, you know, the, the third Okage just decides to, like, pu- push the fourth Okage back down here. He's like, yeah, that's, that, that guy can't be on screen yet. That's, 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 that's for later. <laughs> yeah, I can't fight that guy. I'm mega dead if that guy comes out. <laughs> His son's a shonen protagonist. How the fuck does he do that, by the way? He just, like... He just wants... I'm not sure. He just kind of wants it to go down, and so it does. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, like, how... Maybe, like, when you're doing, like, time space like things, you can just kind of, like, interfere with the people's stuff. And go, like, actually, actually put that back. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we cut to, like, underground, um, where, where where we've got, like... You know, Konohamaru is, like, kind of starting to piece together, like, oh, this is more than it seems. You know, this isn't just, like, a... Like a normal, or is it underground this time, or is it not underground yet? It's underground this time. Okay. Okay, and he like, he, like remembered seeing like a rainbow or whatever? Yeah. Okay, right. So like, I, I was like doing like a little bit of research into this. I didn't, I didn't do like anything super extensively. Uh-huh. But like, I, I was trying to find where the basis for like this rainbow symbolized snakes are an ill omen thing came from. Yeah. Because it, it, it's not in the manga, like the like no, none of the like evacuating the kids stuff is in the manga, um, unless it's like pulling from like later chapters that I haven't like read alongside these episodes yet. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't find like a cultural affiliation with that. Okay, so is the third Hokage just homophobic? 
<laughs> like, that's kind of what I was thinking, right? Like, not... I, I don't know if that's the intent. Maybe there really is, like, a cultural thing that, like, I missed. Because, again, I did not do super deep digging. I, like, I, I, I was very, like, I very much, like... It was, it was like this morning, I was like, maybe I should look into this like a little bit more. Cause like I made a joke in my, my notes about the third, the third Hokage being homophobic, right? Uh-huh. But like, you know, I, I figured I should do my due diligence and I didn't really do my full due diligence. So like, if there is something, if there's some basis for this, like, you know, and you know about it, like, please let me know. Yeah, let us know right in. But it is pretty funny to imagine the third Hokage be like, okay, I let a fucking gay kid, I let a fucking gay kid do his shit in my village one time. It was so bad. I've never let that happen again. Fucking freak. Terrible. Horrible. Okay, that's probably not the intent here, but it's also a connection that's kind of hard not to make like what like sitting here watching this episode. It's really fucking funny that the Rokage is just homophobic. Right? Like <laughs> for, okay, for first of all, it's it's still Pride Month when we're recording this. It probably won't be by the time the episode goes up, but like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, fucking, we wonder why Orochimaru wants to fucking put this guy in the dirt. I want to put this guy in the dirt. Everybody's got to fucking hide their, their pride flags in the Hidden Leaf Village, because, like, the Thorokage is going around telling everybody, like, those are actually evil snake flags. Uh, so you should be suspicious of those guys. It's terrible out here. Why do you think I left this fucking place? God. And, like, the thing that makes it, like, so insidious is that he's telling this to a fucking child. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people can tell how serious we're being. Like, I hope they know we're not being, like, super serious about this. Yeah, so, like... no, it's it's jokes. Don't worry. Okay. Anyway, we, we cut back to the, the rooftop where Orochimaru and the Third Okage are fighting. The uh, the first and second Okage step out. Um, you know, the Third Okage is like, oh, the, the great brother's here. It's it's interesting to me, like, how much they go out of the way that, like, just never name these two right here. Like, these, these are characters that have names, right? It's like uh, yeah. uh, Hashirama and Tobirama Senju. Mm-hmm. But, like, nobody's, like, saying that here. Well, probably they didn't have names yet. Yeah. I guess they didn't have names yet. It, it seems, like, kind of silly to, like, be like, yeah, I'll name these guys later when they're, like, right on screen right there. But I guess nobody's really calling the third Hokage Hiruzen that much either, right? Yeah. So I guess it's fine. Anyway, in, in this part, there's, uh, there's like, the first Hokage. He, he, like, steps out of the coffin and he's like, ah, oh, no matter what time it is, there's always a war. There's always a battle to be fighting. How miserable. And the Roshimaru is basically just like, ah, oh, you enjoy all the killing, actually. Here, have this knife in the back of your head that makes you evil. <laughs> It's fucking amazing. Yeah, like, you know, the episode ends with a fucking shot of, like, a sound goon standing on top of a roof holding up the, the Naruto card and, like, staring at it intently to, like, make sure he doesn't forget what Naruto looks like. So you fucking know he's going after that guy next episode. Oh, yeah. Him and his eight friends. Him and his eight friends. Okay. Ready for next one? Yeah. Episode 70. A Shirker's Call to Action. A Layabout No More. Paku notices the Nine Ninja following them and has the kids go backwards over their footprints to help buy them some time. It doesn't work for long, and the gang works through a plan. Paku and Shikamaru put them off sitting up an ambush, saying there are probably some Jonin in the group chasing them, so even with an ambush, there's no way they'd win a fight with who they have. Shikamaru volunteers to set up a false ambush and stay behind to delay them as long as possible, even if it means he'll probably die. So I think of our three episodes this week, this is kind of the slightest, right? Mm-hmm. There are just long stretches of this episode where there is just not like much happening other than the characters jumping through the trees and talking to each other. It it feels like the first in a real like classic of the form of uh, of Naruto episodes that are just kind of drawing it out of like guys hopping through trees episodes. Yeah. 
like this, this is our first real one of those. Like it's fine, you know. I, I I get why you do it. It's uh, it like generates some sort of visual interest in like what would otherwise be you guys like standing around talking. You know, you've got the kind of well, like it it is it is a solid enough visual, even if I think it like you know it doesn't really like lend itself super well to like fr- framing the actual like conversations in a very interesting way, but also like. It means that there's movement on screen, and like maybe that's enough. Like yeah, like a lot of this episode is like cutting between like okay, here's here's the here's like Naruto and Chikamaru and Sakura and Pakun jumping through the trees. Here's uh here's like um, Konkuro and Tamari and Gara jumping through the trees. Here's like the nine sound ninja chasing after them jumping through the trees. It, it's kind of a thin one in terms of the actual in terms of actual meat on this bone here, I think. Yeah, but I mean that's that, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes is sometimes a comic is like a little bit talky for a little bit. And you gotta do something about it for the anime. It's fine. Yeah. And you gotta, like, draw out those conversations a little while, because, like, you know, if we, if we go too far, we're getting we're getting into, like, the big fight that's gonna be, like, really animated next time. So we just kind of have to, like, just kind of have to pat it out and make sure we're not stepping on any, on any toes for the production. And this, this is just the episode we gotta make. Yep. There's a bit in this first judge of the episode where, uh, you know, Naruto's sort of... Naruto's sort of makeshift team is, like, you know, they're trying to figure out ways to, like, throw the guys off of their trail and, like... One of the things they come up with is like, okay, we're going to like walk backwards over our steps to like cover up our tracks, which is like, I guess in theory it could be something, except this episode is like codifying so heavily the fact that nobody's actually like running along the ground when they're going through a forest. Yeah. So it just seems like the most obvious fake thing in the world. So obviously it gets discovered instantaneously and doesn't slow the guys down at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it slows them down as about as long as it takes to like stand there and go look haha they tried to walk backwards over their tracks so i guess it's not nothing but it probably took longer to walk backwards over your tracks <laughs> i mean the scene of them walking backwards over their tracks is definitely longer than the scene of the guy's gonna be like hey look at this obvious fake shit <laughs> they realize that's not working and so they move on to come up with another plan mm-hmm. they don't have any good ones they don't have any good options really because like Shikamaru just lays it out. This is like, okay, here's what happens if we ambush them. We have Naruto, Sakura, me, and a puppy. We die. Yeah, right. like he, it, it's very mean to Sakura. He's like, because he like specifically calls out Sakura as like a Kunuichi who isn't like very good at anything. Which is like, come on. She was good at things like you know, forty episodes ago, like a little bit at the end of like a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's not her fault. Yeah, <laughs> but. Well, it's, it's definitely like, yeah, it's like, okay, you know, they, they're probably, like, better trained than us. We don't have the actual terrain advantage, because Orochimaru can just tell them what the what the, play, the terrain around the village is like. Uh, we don't have enough lead on them to, like, prepare a real ambush that can actually do much. It's just fucked in, like, basically every possible way. Yeah, it's just fucked in every possible way, and so Shikamaru being the fucking genius plans boy mm-hmm. comes to the conclusion that the only way they're, they're ever going to make any ground on these guys is for somebody to, like, set up a fake ambush and just hold them off for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So Naruto does yeah. it. <laughs> I-, I love that Naruto's like, okay, yeah, that's right, it's gotta be me. I'm willing to die. And was like, nah, man, you you, you handle it. Like, I don't, I don't, I like, if I'm gonna fucking go, I don't want it to be, like, a big, like, fight. I don't, I don't really care about that. Like, I, I can die off screen to, like, eight guys. It's okay. You handle this shit. I'm, I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I... Literally holding people still is the one thing I can do. That's that's but that's basically it for like this half of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's move on to the rest of it. Yeah. With the sound ninja seemingly still after them, Sakura worries Shikamaru just ran away. But Naruto says there's no way he'd do that. 
The Shan Ninja land to inspect some footprints, and all eight of them get caught in shadow possession. But Shikamaru remembers the one extra, who he figures stayed behind to deal with this exact situation. He throws some knives at the Sun Ninja to provoke action from the ninth, and figure out his location. Shikamaru finds him, but his chakra is running too low now, and the shadow can't reach up to the trees where the ninth guy is hiding. Shikamaru resolves himself to hold them off for as long as possible and then die. Pakun notices their pursuers stop, and Sakura is sorry she doubted Shikamaru. Shikamaru drops the shadow possession, but instead of being killed by the ninth guy, Asuma drops down carrying an unconscious sound ninja, then kicks all the asses of the other sound ninja with his cool knuckle knives. The sand siblings notice Sakura and Naruto are after them now too. So like Naruto and Sakura and Pakun are still leaping through the trees. Sakura is starting to worry if Shikamaru has betrayed them or just like decided to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but like fortunately Naruto is here. He's going to come through for his role. He's like, no way would Shikamaru do that. I know that guy. I trust that guy. He has developed a very strong set of beliefs about Shikamaru by like hanging out with him off and on over the last 48 hours, which is beautiful. I love that he's that guy. He's like, yeah, no, okay. I've, I've known this guy for like two days and I'm, I've, I've, I've chosen fully to believe he, he wouldn't fuck us over like this. Yeah. Beautiful. You, you sometimes need somebody like that in your life. Definitely. You, you, you need somebody like that in life. You need like you need like your second dad who like hides in trees and beats up a bunch of, a bunch of guys for you. Yeah. So Shikamaru stuff's really coming together for Shikamaru right now. Oh yeah. But anyway, before before that, Shikamaru is like facing off against the eight guys. He does this thing where he's like, he's always like kind of gonna be a smug asshole about his tricks. So he's like, hey, check out this fucking like clump of branches I used to make dog footprints. You idiots. <laughs> I love Shikamaru. Uh, but, uh, but like he he knows that he's fucked basically like he knows he can't actually do anything to defeat them right like he he pulls out like eight shuriken to be like yeah i guess i'll throw these at these guys but they're just gonna get blocked and, like maybe learn where the ninth guy is it's not gonna do much for me you know that and like it's it, like he is correct it doesn't do anything for him because like anybody can block a bunch of shurikens being thrown and so he just sort of like starts monologuing in his head about like the way he wanted his life to go and he, talk, he talks about, he's like, yeah, I, I just wanted to live, like, a normal, unremarkable life. I was just going to marry some woman. I was going to, I was I was going to have two kids, one, first a daughter, then a son, and I was going to die of old age before my wife. i like, first of all, Shikamaru, I don't think you like women that much. Like, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why you're planning on getting a wife. It didn't seem like, it doesn't seem like it would really work for you I mean, at this point in your uh, life. Okay, but also, to be fair, the way he talked about getting a wife... He did not say a girl he likes. Just like, I'm just going to find some, like, normal woman to be my wife. I'm just going to invite any woman. <laughs> she doesn't have to look good. Just, just someone who will fucking have me. <laughs> uh, like, you know, to Shikamaru's credit, uh, he is kind of a misogynist. Uh-huh. But unlike his dad, he doesn't feel, like, open contempt about the idea of having a daughter. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, baby steps. Mm-hmm. I- I've also, like, wondered, like... Because he mentions like, yeah, I want to have like a, have like a, da- a daughter first and then a son. Do you think like, several years from now when he has the son, he's like, ah, shit, tomorrow we fucked it up. Don't worry about the second kid. It's just not happening. <laughs> Look, I can't handle two sons. I'm not willing to take that risk. I didn't plan for this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, three hundred moves again ahead in the parenting game of our like one daughter and one son. Anything else, I'm fucked. <laughs> I've basically already completely redrawing our plans by having us having a son first. I cannot handle. Just use shadow possession on the male sperm. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Speaking of shadow possession, at this point, the, the manga translation, like the Viz manga translation, has fully adapted their very weird stylistic choice of uh, having the Japanese name and then the English name 
for like a jutsu said as one thing. Okay. So, so when uh, um, when like one of the sound guys is like, ah, so this is the least famed shadow paralysis technique. Shikamaru is like, no, actually, now we call it the Kagemane shadow possession technique, and it's like, no, Shikamaru, nobody calls it that. <laughs> nobody sa- nobody says it like that. So, what's what's the deal with the old name for the technique? Um, I don't know. Did they just like evolve it so that you can like make the guy like mimic your moves at some point? I don't know. I didn't actually do like any like dive into like what the various data books say about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, that information is probably out there because there's all sorts of like data book information about like all sorts of different techniques. But like, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't bother researching that one. So okay, I'm, I'm not gonna look it up on the wiki in the middle of a podcast because again, yeah, bad form. No bad form, awful. I already fucking grabbed an image that I didn't have on hand in the middle of a podcast, and that still feels gross. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's like, you know, that's like easy to edit out. When you're just like reading the shit from the wiki, and you're like, oh, okay, so it says here. Like, nobody wants to listen to that shit. Yeah, no, goddamn. Um, but anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. And then the, the jutsu drops. The jutsu drops, Shikamaru's like, okay, I'm gonna fucking die here. And then Asuma drops out of the tree. And Asuma's, Asuma's an alright guy, you know? He doesn't think about Ino ever, but like, it's not really his fault. Because uh, Masashi Kishimoto doesn't think about Ino ever either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, here, he's here to be, he's here to be. He's here for his boy. He's uh, he's here to be the dad that Shikamaru needs, you know? Yeah. Shikadai's not fucking dropping out of tree, any trees to beat up eight guys. No, absolutely or, not. Not Shikadai. Shikaku. Shikadai is his son. I fucked up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Shikadai's also not doing that. No, Shikadai's definitely not doing that. Yeah, so Asuma shows up and beats all the guys up. And he's just... Asuma's pretty cool. He's just pretty cool. I love his punch knives. I love his, I love his punch knives. I love his cigarette. Yeah. Maybe smoking does make you cool. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was thinking that exact thing. For the uh, f- for the next cover art for the podcast, I'm going to give you a cigarette. Oh my god, that's scary. <laughs> Tune in, everybody, in like a few years from now, uh, and find out if that's true or not. I don't know if it's going to like be a few years from now. I'm... It's not probably going to be a few years from now, yeah, right? Because it's like, it's going to be like, Maybe a year from now? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I... Maybe even sooner than that, right? Like, I I don't know how often I'm going to change it. Like, definitely there is going to be a change in the jump from, like, Naruto to Naruto Shippuden, but, like, I don't think that's going to be, like, the only time it is changed. All right. Well, stay tuned about the about the shape of that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like... You want to see our Naruto OCs evolve? Yeah. Right, because there, there are already some things that I'm like, hmm, I could, I could, I could change it up a little bit. I could do better. Okay, well, you know, when, when you got the time, don't push yourself, but like, I, I, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna like complain about you drawing your and my art Naruto OC standing together coolly again. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I still need to finish the one for the, like, the, uh, bo- the bonus pod, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, I'm, I, I'm busy, like, don't, you're busy, don't, don't hold your breath. Don't push yourself. We get to move on to the next episode? It seems like we're basically not talking about this one at all anymore, <laughs> so, like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Episode 71, An Unrivaled Match. Hokage, Battle Royale. Tamari sets some explosive wire traps for Sasuke, which he narrowly avoids. Orochimaru puts some weird knives in the two undead Hokage, and they start their attack. Hiruzen holds his own for a while, exchanging big, flashy, arena-altering jutsu that culminates in the first Hokage creating a bunch of huge trees on the roof that wrap up Hiruzen in their branches and roots. Goddamn this episode, huh? Goddamn this episode looks so good! 
It looks so good. Uh, yeah, this is um, the exact same crew as the uh, episode with Rochamar and Sasuke in the forest. This is uh, storyboarded, directed, and animation directed by Atsushi Wakabayashi. The key animators are Norio Matsumoto, Atsuka Inoue, and Atsuki, At- Atsushi Wakabayashi. Um, so like the, yeah, the exact same crew as that time. I, I don't know if I'm going like, to go as in-depth about like everybody on there last time, but like again, Atsushi Wakabayashi is like really positioning himself as like one of the like people most involved in like establishing like what naruto action looks like norio matsumoto is like just an absolute legend in his own right and you know atsuki anyway doesn't like stand out as much as the rest of them but i think she's definitely like she she is definitely like very capable as the glue that like holds these episodes together when it can't be like the big splashy action stuff that like norio matsumoto is bringing to the table right Mm -hmm. yeah so this this first half of the episode is like where i believe all of uh norio matsumoto's work is um and it is, it is definitely, like, the bigger, more, like, flashy, more explosive, like, part of the action here. Like, it is, like, the big, ridiculous effects showcase. Like, starting with Sasuke in the forest, right? Where he's, like, you know, tomorrow setting up the wire bombs, and there's just, like, a bunch of, like, ridiculously gorgeous explosions as Sasuke's just trying to, like, run away from them. Yeah. The, like... The, okay, the way that this scene is, like, pretty dark, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, these explosions go off, and just, like, everything gets, like, blown out and, like, washed out in white. It looks so good. It looks so fucking good. It's, like, I, it's, uh, like, like, like obviously, like, the last Wakabayashi episode was, like, very, very good. We talked a lot about it. I think, like, this one is, like, gesturing at a lot of, like, what, uh, he winds up incorporating into, like, his, uh, his, his like, personal style a lot more. Like, it is much more, um, directly indulgent of a lot of the things we see him, like, bring up again later in like his later episodes mm-hmm. um and it's also just like very fucking cool yeah i think like interestingly th- th- this is a bit of a tangent because i'm going to talk about an animator who didn't work on this episode <laughs> okay i'm going to talk a little bit about uh shingo yamashita um shingo yamashita is like an animator who will like later do some work on naruto uh like look forward to that like over in shippuden like you know however long it takes to get there he has like cited specifically like the episode with uh sasuke and Ruchimaru in the forest as being the thing that like inspired him to become an animator but uh like, watching this episode specifically, I feel like I am seeing, like, so many of the ideas that that guy, like, returns to, like, over and over again in his career. Like, j- just sort of, like, laid bare on the table in a way that was, like, kind of stunning to me. Like, like this feels like where a lot of that stuff comes from. Now, like, part of that comes down to the fact that, like, Shingo Yamashita is an animator who, like, works under Norio Matsumoto, who, like, shows up on one of Atsushi Wakabayashi's big episodes later on. It's like, there's, like, a very, like, clear lineage, like, almost mentorship there. But, like, I, I really can feel, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of those ideas, like kind of being, like, placed in front of him and, like, being the kind of things that, like, he draws from. And, like, the way that this episode often, like, has, like, these big, like, effects things, like, really dramatically, like, shift the lighting of the, uh, of the scene. And, like, uh, like, like I, I think that is one of those things that, like, really feels like an idea he will come back to and, like, hone a lot over his career. And, like, takes to, like, heights that I think, I think aren't even here. Like, 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 he, like, really push it well past that because I think he is, like, a, um, especially as he moves away, like, later on in his career into being, like, a more of a, or, like, a director and a compositing guy. He's, like, very invested with, like, presenting lighting and animation like this. Um, anyway, that, that is a bit of a tangent because, again, Shinko Yamashita does not work on this episode. Shinko Yamashita will not be working on Naruto for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it was just constantly on my mind here. Yeah. You, you identify, like, what's going on in this, like, earlier part with, like, the lighting and stuff as, like, a big, like, touchstone for his work later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. 
like there's other stuff for like how the the action is like framed and how like the like the effects are presented that like also feels like very of a piece of this stuff but yeah like may, maybe i'm reading too much into this but like it really feels like you know like i i watched this episode and then like i watched a bunch of like shingo yamashita ops and i was like huh yeah may, maybe there's something there yeah no i i, I think that's fair but anyway stuff's that's going on in this show yeah we gotta talk about the actual episode here and there's, there's plenty to talk about so okay let's let's get into it yeah um you know right so the the various Andu members who are just kind of like powerlessly trapped outside of the barrier that the sound four put up are like watching us and like mostly just talking about how fucked up uh Orochimaru's like dead people summoning jutsu is like out of the various forbidden jutsu we've seen like I, i'll give this one to this one this one is definitely the most like over the line in a lot of ways you know this is probably fucked up to do yeah you need, like a you need like a living person to sacrifice to like you know it's it's this one's probably like not a not a good thing to to do generally speaking. However, I do have to hand it to Orochimaru for saying some incredible shit. Where like Hiruzen is like fucked up about seeing like the guy who trained him and like the first Hokage who like founded the village that like you know he believes in and like has fought for his entire life like here to fight him. And then <laughs> Orochimaru is just like, do you know the joy and sense of accomplishment of hurting the one who you once called Sensei? I prepared this scenario so you might know that joy, which is like incredible, amazing sicko shit. I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> I love Roji Martin so much. Uh, I I hope I hope he wins. That'd be great. It's <laughs> uh, so, like the fight is about to get began, but like before we get into like the real big like explosive like effects based casting big juicy stuff, we get this like really great shot where like the first and second the first and second Hokage start like walking forward in this like really awkward shambling way like uh one of them is just like rather than like walking around like around the coffin it's just like really awkwardly just like sort of like lumbering over it and like stepping up on top of it and like just like walking past it with like no sense of like you know the actual like how, how to like you know like the decorum of like walking over an obstacle yeah right like it is just kind of like just like basically like stumbling over it while staying upright it is like very cool it's like it's very creepy it's a great shot mm-hmm and then we're just fucking off to the races, basically, right? Yeah. Um, th- th- this is a this is a fight with pretty different aims than um, than uh, Wakabayashi's last fight because, like, you know, with the Sasuke and Orochimaru episode, it's very much like Sasuke just barely fucking holding on uh, against the guy who like is very much outclassing him. Mm-hmm. And this time, like, you know, the third guy is kind of on the, on the back foot, but like, you know, as long as only one guy is attacking him at a time, he can kind of like hold his own, right? Um, you know, like we get some like hand to hand stuff where he's like he's like kind of holding it together and like man just trying to like keep them at base so he's only fighting them, like one of them at a time uh you know, he, he shoots like a big like fire cloud at them and we get more of that like lighting stuff i was talking about earlier yeah and then we get like the the big through line through all of like wakabayashi's like big naruto episodes that was like missing from the previous one which is that there's just a bunch of water around suddenly right uh the second okage just like makes like a water wall and like expands that out and like completely like pools half of the barrier up with water it's so good it's so good. It's so cool. Uh, like, like all, all of Occupy's uh, big episodes going forward will have like a, a bunch of water in them, a bunch of like action that is like very much like there's very much constructed around like you know the, the water is part of the environment in a way that I think is like genuinely impressive and genuinely very cool, and I love it every time it happens. Um, and this is like a it's like a first shot at that in a way that like I it really like I was really excited to see. Yeah. All right. Like you you got a. <laughs> Like, there's this great bit where I think it's, like, the first Hokage who's just, like, sort of, like, skimming forward, like, with, while barely moving, like, at top speed at Thurokage, and Thurokage is, like, doing these fire blasts, while the first is just, like, blocking them, like, with his hands. It's fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> just like collides into him. They're like, I like barely stops it, and then like, and then he like gets pulled into water. It's just, it's just fucking cool. There's there's so much cool shit in here. Like I feel like I'm I'm so tempted just to like a blow by blow of all the fucking like insane cool shit that happens here, but like it's just right. Uh, like the 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 flow from like beat to beat of like this like big crazy like action sequence is just incredible, right? Like you've got a uh, like you get you got here's this big mud wall that he stands on and it gets like sliced into pieces by big water jets and like crumbles into cubes and all the trees are like grown out of it and like draining the water and like the trees look so cool because there's like so much uh, they they, so, they they get so much mileage out of like not even just like having the shapes of them like change as they grow but like. All of this very like intricate like changing of like the, the the like sort of like lines shading them on their surface that like give it this like great sense of volume as like all of these trees grow. It's just like like unbelievable to even think of like like I, I couldn't conceptualize like how to like draw something like that and how to like track the movement of all of that stuff to like make it look as good and natural as it does. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like you know, there's there's like that one really great like super involved cut with like all the background animation where like. Here's and is like jumping around on the trees like as they are growing and it is just like again this whole this whole half of this episode is just like unbelievably impressive like incredibly well conceptualized like executed on a level that is like almost difficult to comprehend at times I am like tr- truly thrilled by it um, and then like you know ends with uh, the Throdokaga getting got and like getting all tangled up in the branches is there more you want to touch on with this stuff because like I mean I, I would totally believe there is right there's just uh... a lot of cool to talk about if there's any like specific like cool bits you want to touch on. No, I, 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 I think we're good. Okay. Alright, I'm, I'm ready to move on then. Hiruzen summons Monkey King Enma and has him transform into the Adamantine Noi, a cool staff that flies around and changes size and stuff. You know, Monkey King shit. It breaks through the tree limbs holding Hiruzen in place and Orochimaru gets out the Kusanagi no Tsurugi, or Grass Sword, or Snake Sword. And so they have a cool weapons fight for a little bit, but the two undead Hokage interfere and Hiruzen ends up on his back. He explodes the paper bombs he snuck on the undead Hokage, and sends Orochimaru flying to give himself a little space. But the undead Hokage immediately regenerate. Hiruzen resolves to use the Force Secret Jutsu, and Orochimaru tears off his face, revealing himself to have body-swapped with a younger woman to extend his life. Sasuke catches up to the Sand siblings. So, you know, the, the, this part of the episode starts off, you know, Hiruzen is like sort of painstakingly like stretching his like hand forward to like dab a little bit of blood and like a tree branch in front of him to like summon Enma. It's like kind of fascinating when Enma shows up because if Hiruzen is like a Rochimaru's kind of like shitty judgmental dad, Enma like immediately shows up and starts acting like Hiruzen's judgmental and shitty dad. Mm-hmm. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why didn't you kill this guy already? I knew you were fucking weak. I knew you were worth shit. What's wrong with you? It's kind of unbelievable. It's great. He's a fucking monkey king. <laughs> I'm so glad that there's a monkey king. It's cool when there's a monkey king. Here's just kind of like, like, man, I get it. I don't really have time for this shit right now. Can you turn into a big stick, please? <laughs> yeah, and so he does. And so then Orochimaru pulls out a sword, which, okay, it's different in the subs to what it is in the dubs. And so I looked it up on the wiki to see what they called it, and they called it something else. So, 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 so I gave all of it. Right, because, like, clearly it is, like, supposed to be... It is called, like, the Grass Sword, like, the Snake Sword, or, like, uh, I think it was, like, Grass Long Sword in the dub, super awkwardly. And, like, it, it is very clearly aping uh, the, like, special Japanese, like, Imperial Regalia Sword, uh, which it is, like, also named after. Is I, I assume that that is just what, what it is called in the original Japanese, the uh, Kusanaki no Tsurugi. But, like, I don't know. I'd have to... I don't, I don't know where I'd look that up. Who cares? Okay. You're kind of the swords expert on this podcast, right? Yeah, I I I think so. 
It's like, I, well, there's something that like, I, I found kind of curious. Like, how would you describe the uh, the sword that Orochimaru has? Uh, well, I, that, that, that is actually um, what, what, what I wanted to get into a little bit, because uh, uh-huh. I, I noticed when I looked it up that it has a different design in the manga than the anime. Yeah, yeah, this, this, this really caught my attention, too. Um, the anime is more accurate to, like, what it is trying to be. Okay, okay, so that's what's going on there. Yeah, okay, I, so... I, 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 like, really wasn't sure if it was, like, trying to aim a specific thing, because, like, in the, in the manga, it is, like, a much more, like standard-looking katana kind of design. Yeah. So, like, Tsurugi is, like, a catch-all name for, like, a type of Japanese sword, which is, like, a straight, double-edged sword. Uh, like, um, and, and it's also the word that Japanese speakers use when they're talking about, like, any straight, double-edged sword. Right? Mm-hmm. If it is a curved sword, they call it a fucking katana. If it is uh, a straight sword, they call it uh, Tsurugi. All right. Okay, that, that clears that up for me, though. Yeah, right. Uh and and so like there 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 are a lot of like, you know, historically Japanese swords that are like, you know, that general form factor including the one that is like the the special one. Uh because it is so old that like I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be out of bronze and it's, you know, like it's it's it is like a very short straight stabby sword allegedly. No one's allowed to see it. Yeah, so when we get into like the weapons fight portion of the fight, like this is definitely um you know, the, the the first half of the episode is, like, where, like, all of the Nori Matsumoto stuff is concentrated, and, like, this back half is, like, Wakabayashi and Inoue. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're both good, right? Like, they don't have the same energy that the Matsumoto stuff has, but, like, I think all the action here is, like, really, like, strongly conceptualized still. Like, I, I think it does a great job of, like, you know, the third Okage is using his big, like, sta- size-changing staff to, like, you know, really, really control the, like, space super well, but, like, yeah, he always gets a little overwhelmed when the, like, the other two Okages, like, jump in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he can hold Orochimaru at bay, but he can't, like, control the rest of it. I, I think it's all, like, pretty smartly boarded. I think it also um, makes the, the smart choice of avoiding this panel in the manga. Oh, no. There's this panel in the manga where Hirzen thrusts his, like, thrusts the Adamantine Noi for, forward, and, like, Orochimaru bro- blocks it, and then Enma just sort of, like, pops his head out to jump scare Orochimaru for some reason. <laughs> and it doesn't really do anything other than look kind of bad. <laughs> Boo. I think it pro- probably the right call mm-hmm. to like not figure out how you want to fit that in there because it's just kind of silly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'd I'd get pretty scared. I would be scared, but like you know, he sh- he should have instead like grown arms and then just fucking like twisted Orochimaru's neck. Right. I mean, that is a thing that happens later in this episode that doesn't happen in the manga. Right. Like, yeah, like like a better use of the the staff's ability to like turn into a monkey guy partially than the head jump scare. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, even though the third Hokage is, like, holding Orochimaru back, uh, you know, the, the the other two Hokage just kind of, like, they eventually get him on his back. And so Orochimaru just, like, is like, okay, I, I, I did this. Time to fucking gloat. He does the classic old razzle-dazzle pose that we all know and love. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I'm going to put that in the episode description. I'm going to put that in our channel where we where I, like, keep those things. So I remember to put that in the episode description. Because, you know, sometimes you just have to pay homage to the classics. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great one. Sometimes you just gotta stick your leg up. Right. I, I love that he does this. I also love that, like, when he's, like, walking over to, like, he just, like, walks all the way up, like, directly over fucking, here is it, like, legs spread wide, and, like, reaches down and just picks him up by the scruff of his neck. He's like, you fucking loser. You fucking sucker. You're so shitty. <laughs> and everyone's like, here is it, you gotta fucking kill this guy. <laughs> I'm gonna grow arms if you don't. <laughs> I love Orochimaru so much. He's such a freak. Uh, 
Yeah, you, know, you, you get the moment where like the, the staff like grows big arms to like try and strangle him, and Richard Mur's like, "Just kidding, I'm like I'm like a mug clone. It's fine, actually." The Hokage kicks him back, kicks him back, and sends him flying back, and he stands back up, and then he like tears off his mask to reveal this body's real face. And uh, man, yeah, like fundamentally, if Rochimaru is already the guy who is like stealing people's bodies to preserve his life, you know, that's fine. That's the villain that he is. But it's kind of hard to shake the impression that part of what's supposed to be like weird and creepy about this is how like you know how feminine like the body and the voice is here, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> like it can't just be the reveal that Orochimaru is like. You know, this is the first time we learn directly about Rochimaru's like stealing people's bodies to extend his life, right? Like, uh, like, like, you know, Thorokage is like kind of like, like, oh my god, did you complete that jutsu? But, but, like, again, that 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 is enough of a beat on its own, and it is, it it, it is frustrating how, like, like again, like I I, I wouldn't even like really have a problem. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, Rochimaru is just a character who doesn't put a lot of stock in that. He'll just like take whatever body he can get. That's like good for his plans. But again, we are supposed to be unsettled by the fact that, like, this is, uh, you know, he, he has transgressed these boundaries of gender. In a way that I am obviously not, like, unsettled by, I am more unsettled by the fact that, like, it is played as a horror beat that he has done this. Yeah. Right? Like, like, like I mean, like, obviously it's horrific that he, like, took somebody's body, right? Like, that's not a good thing. But, like, you know, the, the, the specifics of, uh, the specifics of the way that he tries to hide are, ju- are just not what I'm, like, you know, it's, it, it is a problem that the show has with how it depicts Orochimaru, because... You know, obviously we can have, like, a great time talking about how, like, you know, Rochimaru is, like, a fun queer-coded villain. We can, like, make jokes about the Hirokage being homophobic. But, like, fundamentally, like, we aren't supposed to like that about Rochimaru. And, like, this is really a moment that kind of drives that home for me again, even though I'm, like, you know, this isn't, like, more horrific if it was just, like, I don't know, like, a younger guy's body under there. Yeah, right? If he was just, like, a younger twink, it would, like... Like, it, it would be the same, but the show doesn't think it would be. Right, yeah. It's rough. It's rough. I, I don't know if I have more to say about than that, right? Like, th- th- that is just kind of, like, what it is, right? Like, I, I think I... Like, maybe there'll be more to say about this later, but, like, in this scene right now, I think that's, like, pretty much, like, yeah. all I have to say on that on that point. Yeah, I'll, like, same, honestly. Just, you know, kind of a downer note to end on, like, what is otherwise a very, like, exhilarating episode of Naruto to watch. Mm-hmm. But that's how it is sometimes. Yeah, I just... I wish the show wasn't horrible about gender. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all... <laughs> In multiple ways. Yep. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, you can check out our next episode, uh, probably up tomorrow on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Konoha Crush, all one word, Konoha Crush. Also, we should have, uh, but by the time this is out on the main feed, um, our second bonus episode will be out. Uh, We're covering uh, Ascendant of a Bookworm. And so I'm excited for that. Uh, I think it's going to be a great show. I've watched like most of that season that we're covering, and I'm like super excited to talk about it. Yep. Uh, so you can check that out on our Patreon also for $5 a month. And for 20 bucks a month, you get a you get a special little shout out at the end of at the end of the podcast. So here we go. Thanks to our joining tier patrons, Maple and Izzy, future Chinchiriki of the Six-Tailed Beast. What is that? We don't know what that is yet. Who knows? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what this Jinchuriki shit is. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tailed beasts? What? That's nothing to me. Huh? 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 Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- 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 thank you so much to Maple and Izzy. Uh, again, if you want, uh, shout out at the end of the podcast. 
Uh, like, like those two, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Crush, all one word, Crush for $20 a month. Any pictures we talk about during the podcast can be found on our Twitter, twitter.com slash Crush. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I, I think that's how Twitter works. Uh, our ad is Crush, all one word, Crush. That's right. Yep. Um, I stream. Uh, I'm working on, uh, you, 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 usually I work on like comic stuff, but like lately I've been doing, uh, stuff for art fight, which is, which, which has been kind of fun. So if you want to check me out there, that is twitch.tv slash reziart, R-E-Z-I-A-R-T. Um, yeah, it's a good time. You know, come, come and check me out. Thanks for listening. Anything else you want to say before we, uh, before we sign off? I mean, we should say what episodes we're watching next week. Right. What episodes are we watching next week? We are watching episodes 72, 73, and 74. Episode 72 will mean we are one-tenth of the way through the episodes of Naruto. Like, not counting the movies. That, like, adds to it a little bit, but, like, you know. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's, that's real progress. Um, also, we are nearing the conclusion of the tuning exams and, like, Konoha Crush arc. If you would have any questions you would like to ask us about that, like, you can send that to our email, which is, uh, I don't remember our email. I'll, I'll fill in the correct email in post. Okay. Konaha Crush Cast at gmail.com. All one word, Konaha Crush Cast. That's, that's great. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this episode will go out before we record that one, and I'll be making that call on Twitter also. It is a good point to, like, in response to some listener questions if you have any. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I love to hear people have to say about the podcast. I love to, like, answer people's questions if there's, like, things they want to hear us talk about. You know? Yeah. If there's things you want us to address, I bet you'll like enjoy the podcast more if like we address them because you asked us about them. So like, you know, don't hesitate if you got something you want to ask. Yeah, and we probably won't get a whole lot of askers, so if you want to ask multiple things this time, go ahead. <laughs> but with that, hey, thanks for listening. And remember, there's no such thing as filler. <laughs>